Yes, I'm Dutch. Dyslexia, audio transmission. Hi, welcome to This and That, the podcast from the Dyslexia Association of Ireland. This episode, we are going to be speaking to Stephanie. Stephanie is a learning support teacher and she is also an adult with dyslexia. Uh, It's a really interesting chat we have and Stephanie shares some really interesting and inspirational messages from the perspective of an adult with dyslexia but also a teacher of young people who have dyslexia themselves. Uh, You're going to be hearing from Stephanie, myself, Donald Ewing and Michelle Kinsler, all of the Dyslexia Association. We hope you enjoy the episode. So we're delighted to welcome Stephanie to the podcast. You're very welcome, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming in. Stephanie, we normally kick off just by asking people to introduce yourself a little bit. I know a little bit about you already. You are dyslexic yourself and you work as a learning support teacher in a primary school, I understand. Is that right? I do, yes. Brilliant. Can I ask you to just say a little bit about yourself and your background? Would that be okay? Sure. Um, So I am originally a Montessori teacher. Um, When I was in school, I always um, aimed to work with children. I always wanted to be a teacher, but... I wasn't quite sure if my dyslexia would allow that. Mm. Um, of course, I was exempt from Irish, so I thought that was going to hold me back quite a bit um, until I saw a route through the Montessori education. Um, I went to St. Nicholas Montessori College, which was really supportive for dyslexic people. Um, they you know, taught in a very multi-sensory way, I guess. Um, you know, you could present you could you did essays there was lots of different ways of showing showing um your abilities yeah and and so during my time in Montessori College I did various placements um in Montessori schools you know three to six um and then also in primary schools uh, six to nine and nine to twelve um during that time I had a lot of experience with special ed Mm. and that's when my interest started to develop with special ed and um, I in particular enjoyed a placement in a reading school and that's when I got thinking that this you know what I wanted to do I wanted to help children who I guess aren't the traditional style learners and um, with my experience I thought and my empathy um, that I could bring to that job um, I decided to either go you know, to learning support in a mainstream school or a reading school. Um, so, yes. Fantastic. Yeah. And when did you find out that you were dyslexic yourself? So when I was seven, I started to show signs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually remember very little from this time, of mm-hmm. course. So I spoke to my mom about it and she was able to tell me a little bit more. Um, so I showed signs at about seven and, um, you know, these were kind of brought up within my primary school. However, I had um, some difficulties with my speech. Um, I went to speech therapy and I had um, a small problem with my hearing, okay. um, which they didn't detect until I was about five. Mm. Um, so they 
they weren't too sure whether that was affecting my learning. Um, so they kind of monitored me closely from mm. there. My parents kind of, you know, they, they thought it was something, something more. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I got assessed when I was 10. Okay. So I was in fourth class, mm. yeah. And yeah, that came back um, that I had visual and auditory dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess it, it all made sense. I um, It's funny, I think back at it as like a total relief. Mm. And I think it, it was a total relief. But um, my mum told me that I actually was upset and I thought it was a disease or, you know, that I was diagnosed with with something yeah. um, but I think deep down you know I was actually relieved ra- rather than um, being too upset about it and yeah I was exempt from Irish then Good. and that was a great relief for me not so much that I didn't want to do the Irish language and um, you know I was happy to not do that it was mm. more that you know somebody saw that I needed help yeah Um. Yes. So, so it was kind of like recognition that yeah. this wasn't easy for you. Yeah, absolutely. So before I got the diagnosis, um, mm. I was getting one-on-one help for English and I was getting um, help in a small group for maths. But, you know, I didn't show any signs of improvement, really. I had difficulties kind of all over um, the curriculum in, okay. in, all, in all subjects. Mm. Um so that also led to you know me going for for the the assessment um and so after that that that, you know time spent Mm -hmm. like kind of catching up within those Mm. irish slots really helped me brilliant yeah great so stephanie if i was to ask you um what teacher do you feel really got you really understood you was there one particular teacher or couple of teachers um, definitely a couple of teachers I was really lucky with a lot of support around me growing up um, I don't really have bad memories which is very nice um, primary school I would definitely say my resource teacher I think it was remedial back then um, who helped me once I got my assessment mm-hmm. um, I've always kind of wanted to go and I will uh, go back and if she's still there, thank her and ask her what she did because I have really fond memories of her and something, whatever she did, just clicked with me. I remember, you know, time, for example, was such a difficult concept for me. I just Mm -hmm. couldn't get it. I remember the fear of getting your little small clock in Mm -hmm. class and the teacher saying it a time and me looking frantically at my friend to try to copy them and you know it was yeah. really difficult and I remember the day that she just simply told me that that side is past that side is quarter <laughs> two and it just clicked and she did amazing things for my confidence um a confidence was definitely my biggest difficulty um and I think yeah confidence self belief self-esteem was really really quite damaged you know through through primary school until I started receiving this help I was very hard on myself um and that I actually went back to my assessment recently to read it which was a very um 
unusual <laughs> experience mm. because I'm yeah. quite used to reading. You know, in my job now, I, I read other children's assessments. It was very interesting to, to see. Um, and, you know, she spoke a lot about the lack, lack of confidence in that. Um, for example, she said during the assessment I was biting my nails and she, when she asked a question, I, I would answer it correctly if I wasn't quite sure about it. I'd say it, I'd mutter it about four times before I got the confidence to, to actually answer it. Um, so yeah, that resource teacher really, really helped me with my self belief. Um, secondary school teacher, um, I would say my English teacher actually. She, she was quite. Um, she, she pushed me in the right direction. Um, she kind of didn't let me away with anything, but in a nice way. You know, okay. she was really supportive of me. She, she never doubted me basically, um, and. She, I guess she saw my potential, and I, I knew that she did, and um, she she encouraged me to do, um, higher level in leave and search, which you know if she, if she didn't say that, I, I don't think I would have had the confidence mm-hmm. to, and she you know she never doubted me. She said go for it, and I did it. So, well <laughs> did, done. You know, didn't do that well, but I did it. <laughs> um yeah. So the, two really, fond memories of those teachers. Yeah. That's yeah. great, and I imagine then that that has spurred you on to want to be the the great teacher that you most likely are for the children that you engage with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, my confidence kind of just kept building, and and when I went to um college, I as I said, you know, it was much more accessible. I think for for me in terms of I could express myself in di- you know in different ways. Mm. Um, and small classes, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for one-on-one feedback. Um, so the learning support teacher then that you've become mm-hmm. now and the um, amazing help I imagine that you give to children because you can empathise with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully in the future you will have that same effect on those children as the teachers have had on you that you've just described. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I think because of the impact those particular you know, teachers had on me, you know, during my learning journey, I took that on board and I, you know, I want to do that for, for the children now. Um, in my school, um, I kind of use my empathy and my experience to help help my students and I, I let them know, you know, if, if they have dyslexia themselves and they're aware that they have dyslexia, mm. I, I let them know and they kind of say, oh, you've told us that already. <laughs> <laughs> You're just banging on about yeah, it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I like to tell them, look, I, I found that difficult and this is what I did. And, you know, I tried to uh, bring in the strategies that um, I use now and the strategies that were suggested to me um, back during school that maybe I didn't really take on board um, and now kind of kind of wish I did. Um, but absolutely, that's why I really wanted to get into learning support mm. um, to help those children who don't, you know, necessarily learn in the same way. And not just dyslexia, you know, there's lots lots of different needs. Um, so to, you know, I make sure my classroom is very multisensory um, experience, a real positive environment for them uh, where they're, you know, able to make mistakes and um, mistakes are fine and they see it as a part of learning. 
that's fantastic. So you're kind of touching on universal design for learning there, mm. which is something that we're all yes. trying to move forward uh, towards in classrooms. Um, and do you would you say universal design for learning? Our tagline here is is that you know what works for dyslexic students works for all. And I often find that in the classroom that if you implement strategies that everybody can benefit from them. So is there any one thing you do in particular that you find like all the other kids as well? You know, all kids would yeah. benefit from. Yeah, absolutely. But I say in general, um, differentiation, of course, is, you know, the big thing in um, in their classrooms. It's really important, of course, to differentiate between the, the different abilities and to, you know, change up lesson styles mm-hmm. um, make the curriculum accessible for, mm. for everybody. Not a, you know, not everybody learn, learns in the same way, of course, so to give everyone the best opportunity. In learning support, you know, I, I really take that on board. Of course, I plan for those particular needs that I have and I'm very aware of um, their likes and dislikes and I, I definitely try to, you know, bring their, their abilities, you know, their strengths mm-hmm. in and help them with their confidence. I think the confidence is going to, you know, bring up the, up the work as well. Um, I very much again use you know um, I bring in the Montessori materials almost you know make it hands on um, I you know change it up I we read we might watch a video on something yeah. and we might act it out you know um, just kind of making it accessible for all the styles of learning yeah that's fantastic it's mm-hmm. so important to do that I think and that's what we find is that those strategies because students can take the ones that work for them, like you said, you can learn the ones that work for you and then you can use them yourself at home or as they move forward. So that's brilliant, thank you so much. So Stephanie, you're in uh, a unique position because you are dyslexic, you've been through the education system and now you're on the other side of that in supporting children with dyslexia putting your strategic hat on, if you were trapped in a lift with the Minister for Education mm. and they turned to you and said, well, look, you know, Stephanie, we've got five minutes to kill here. Uh, what do you do? And you explained what you do and who you are. And then they said, OK, so give me some tips. How do we need, how, how, how can we improve stuff for kids with dyslexia? What advice would you give to them? And you've got more than five minutes if you want. <laughs> It's a big one. Yes, it is. I feel like you just big. applied for an interview. Yeah. Here. yeah. <laughs> big question. Um, I would say starting from the kind of more straightforward part, you know, the more accessible maybe, I would definitely say a lot of training is needed in schools. Um, you know, I, I am aware that most people I'm sure don't really know how it feels like to be dyslexic and mm. what it feels like to be that mm. kid in, in, in the classroom scared that they're going to be asked to read out loud next or um and you know I don't expect them to know how, how that feels so I think um opportunities for class teachers to be able to go on that training um and get a little bit of insight would be brilliant yeah. um you know the the bigger outlook I guess it would be the standardized testing in terms of the how the junior search and leaving search um you know happens here I know it's it is moving in the right direction I know they are mm-hmm. making um some changes to make it a little bit more accessible um and I think you know dyslexic children do get a little bit 
more support now. Um, mm. But I think it, it needs to, to keep moving in that direction to make it even more accessible. I think, you know, subjects like the arts should have a lot more respect and emphasis okay. on it. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, if you do well in PE or, you know, art in school, that maybe it's not as respected as, you know... Maths Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, going bringing it back to what how society looks at you know what does smart mean to them um and i think yeah i guess people just need to think about what smart looks like to Mm. them um you come across ken robinson's talk about that no i haven't he talks a lot about how the arts is Mm. always at the bottom of Mm. the pecking order Mm -hmm. in kind of academic hierarchies Mm -hmm. you've got Mm -hmm. The sciences and mm-hmm. uh, and and maths at the top. And he's got a very. I think it's one of the most popular ever TED talks, and he talks about how sometimes we don't celebrate creativity enough in schools. And I imagine taking kids out of art class to give them more reading and spelling isn't helping either. Maybe sometimes. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um and children with dyslexia and other needs can be very very creative and mm. um you know let's pick up on that and let's bring it into. Mm-hmm. The classroom and bring it into into their work. In a previous podcast, uh, Stephanie, um, Sean was talking about the fact that although he doesn't read very much newspapers or books, he is super informed because he accesses his content through audio channels, often things like podcasts. How about you? If you're um, keeping yourself informed, how do you access kind of information? Yeah, well, I would be similar in terms of um, I kind of avoid reading. Mm-hmm. I find it very tiring. I kind of have to reread all the time for it to, you know, for me to get a comprehension of what mm-hmm. just happened. Um, and I do enjoy it once I really push myself to get there and, mm-hmm. you know, get past the first chapter mm-hmm. that I'm kind of wanting to go back to it um, so I do kind of try to to read more but um, it's not, it doesn't always work um, so, so yes you're not I, doing it to relax basically are you? no not really <laughs> um, so yes I also listen to podcasts I think it's a great way of um, getting you know information in and um, to there's great podcasts out there one of them that I listen to quite often is stuff you should know mm. um and you know you can click into the most random things like um you know how, how a pen works or uh, how what drowning feels like you know it's just okay. um <laughs> and just so pop, yeah pop it on in the car and um it's brilliant and I feel like I remember more from what I hear than what I would read mm. um when I'm reading, if I want it really to absorb, I'd have to um, speak out loud yeah. or I'd have to write it down and then probably speak out loud as well. Mm, okay. um, so, yeah, I find podcasts really, really great. great. And how about audiobooks or things like that? Do you ever... I actually haven't, but I, I must do that. I mm. think, it, yeah, I think I really enjoy them. Great. Yeah, yeah but there's a lot of... I mean, there's more and more information yeah. available in different formats. Mm-hmm. So friend of ours was saying recently there's never been a better time to be dyslexic because there's such high quality stuff available in video or audio format which wasn't available even 10 years ago maybe. 
to think about the people that have helped you along the way. I'm sure you've had fantastic support. Um, what kind of support, what um, format did that support take and are there people in particular who were very supportive to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you said, I had you know lots of support in my life, especially my parents and my brother. Um, you know, I had an amazing childhood and they did everything to, to help me. Um, if I had to pick one person, I would say my mum. She's, you know, been my number one supporter. She really, you know, she was, myself and her were a team, I guess, going through my through my learning journey and I always, I couldn't wait to get back to her <laughs> after school. Um, and she really, you know, she recognised that I needed help and, you know, what, before I was um, told I had dyslexia, um, she she helped me any way she could um, and she really fought for it to be recognised, I guess. Mm. Um, and then when I was assessed, you know, she continued, she, we were very lucky, she, um, you know, she doesn't work, so she, you know, we had a lot of time um, mm -hmm. together and she, she had the time, which was very fortunate for us, um, to, you know, help me with my homework and help me with, um, she brought me to a psychologist and, um, you know, he gave, he gave us all sorts of games that we had to do um and my mum would do them you know with me every evening or whatever it was the main game I remember was um spelling hippopotamus the right way and backwards and yeah I got really into it <laughs> I was very proud of myself um and are you using that word on a regular basis now I'm not but, <laughs> but it's a good party it's, trick it's a good party trick um <laughs> Also games like, um, you know, I went to a shop and I got an apple and she'd say, I went to the shop and got an apple and a banana, you know, and Memory it was, game. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he also suggested that I listen to Mozart um, at, at night time, maybe, I think it was for about an hour. And so my, my dad brought me home this big padded <laughs> headphones <laughs> and my CD player probably. Um, and... I used to go into my room and listen to Mozart for an hour and I loved it. So it was suggested to me, you know, to kind of, for my anxieties, I guess, it, you know, once I was assessed, I kind of saw yeah. that I needed to switch off for an hour and stop. My, my brain was kind of mm -hmm. going 90. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed that. I, I always remember when I was invited on sleepovers, I'd say to my mum, <laughs> what about my Mozart? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, See, the rest of the people are listening to pop music and you've got a bit of... Um, Mozart, yeah. that's brilliant. And she'd say, it's okay, it's only an hour, you can catch up if you want tomorrow. And I'd go, oh, okay. Um, yeah, so she, she really, you know, made sure that, um, you know, she, she was doing all these games and um, helping me in every way. Um, I She said she actually was in contact with the Dyslexic Association also um, on the, you know, suggestions of books and mm. all sorts. So, yeah, she was absolutely number one supporter. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. She sounds great. I will add, though, you said she didn't work. And yeah. I assume that your mum would say, well, actually, I was working very bloody hard. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> okay, okay. She was working at home. She was working at home. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so big shout out to mum. Yeah. There are lots of people that may be listening to this podcast who are mums or dads who are a bit worried. Mm. 
uh, and anxious and you know and they've got little boys or girls or, or young people at home who are also a little bit worried what kind of advice would you would you give them because you've been through it now if you were to kind of offer them some words of wisdom yeah um would I say that you know I totally understand the kind of um worry that goes along with it all and it is very daunting and I think it's you know if it's very hard to talk about I mm -hmm. guess and maybe make the first couple of steps mm -hmm. um what I would say is you know once you do make those first steps it's only going to get better mm -hmm. you know your child um or yourself you know you're only going to receive the help that you need yeah. um you know it everyone learns in different ways it doesn't mean you you're going to be restricted it doesn't yeah. mean you can't do anything that you know your friend beside you can um you're just going to learn it in a different way um it might take you longer you might have to work extra hard um but it's not going to restrict you um and yeah i think just take the first step and it, it will only get better brilliant thanks So I suppose uh, one of the things I would be wondering about is, so we've talked a lot about maybe when you were younger and you were assessed and school and the challenges that that brought for you and the supports that you had in order to um, help you to get where you are today. But now you're not in school or a studying environment anymore, you're now working. So now, um, so I support adults with dyslexia and my focus is adults in the workplace as well as students, but one of my areas is adults in the workplace. So now you're an adult in the workplace with dyslexia. Mm -hmm. So what's that like? What does dyslexia look like for you now? Um, well, I'd start with saying that a lot of my difficulties that I had throughout school, I really feel like I have, you know, almost overcome them in terms of I know how I learn now. I know the strategies that work for me. Um, you know, things might just take me that much longer. I might have to put a lot of effort into, you know, absorbing new information, things like that. But um, things like spelling has improved hugely. I wouldn't say that's too much of a difficulty now. And of course, with technology, you know, um, spell check and everything um, is brilliant. In the workplace, things like emails, um, emails to parents or colleagues, I would type them out once and it would very much be a draft and I would have to reread and reread. Um, sometimes if I can get somebody to proofread it, that's fantastic. Um, but I would, more than spelling, I would might you know mix up the grammar or mm. might put past yeah. tense and future tense. Or, um, so that would be something that I'm very conscious of in work. You know, I don't want to make a mistake on an email. Um, Can I give you a quick tip then? Just as you're saying yeah. that to me, have you heard of Grammarly? No. Okay, so no. Grammarly. If you download Grammarly onto your um, laptop or your whatever you're using, mm. it runs in the background, so it's free. Now, there is a subscription charge, but you don't have to worry about that. What we For our purposes, just at work, like emails and all, the free version is fine. And it checks your grammar as well. Okay. So if you've made mistakes, it will pick up the things that you would be afraid as a dyslexic person that you might miss. It's quite good at picking those up. So it doesn't just work off spellings, it works on grammar. So if you said, for instance, uh, one of the most common mistakes I see that people make is like there, so over there, mm -hmm. T-H-E-R-E, mm -hmm. versus there, T-H-E-I-R, belonging to. And it would pick that up and say, are you sure you mean this? Because in this sentence, 
it could be this word. Yeah. So that's a handy thing that you yeah. might think about using. Absolutely. I'm I say some time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, just when you were making that point, I thought of all the essays that I went through in, in college and how much thought I have to put into every sentence that I do feel like I'm very careful now. You know, I, I don't, I guess, have the confidence just to write something quickly and, and not check it, I would mm-hmm. kind of be very careful that I'm using the correct there and, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then also I, I use a lot of strategies such as mind maps. Um, I love mind maps and I remember actually in secondary school being suggested, you know, my resource teacher suggested using mind maps mm-hmm. and I thought, no way, I thought mm-hmm. that's extra work. Yeah. Because she would say, you know, do my map before you start mm-hmm. your writing. I thought, I'm just going to go straight into it because I don't want to do extra. Yeah. Um, and now I regret that because they're <laughs> brilliant. Um, I very much just, you know, put the topic in the middle and write out all my thoughts first. And then I number them um, and kind of plan from there. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I still do it with my you know, lesson planning. I do it with... Um, you know, when I'm planning for a particular child, uh, put their likes and dislikes and, um, you know, ability and everything in, in my map and try to, to plan from there. Fantastic. Mind yeah, mapping yeah. is a great tool. It's a great way of getting your ideas on paper and yeah. fine-tuning them down then. Absolutely. And I add a lot of colour. I I seem to be quite a visual learner now um, that, you know, studying for exams and everything, I'd always use different colours I'd even draw um and you know I'd put one you know topic in the right hand corner say in in blue mm-hmm. and sitting in an exam I go oh that was in the blue in the right hand corner and I can kind of visualise call the, the information that's yeah brilliant that's yeah great which I didn't have that skill in school because mm. I wasn't doing it um so I think you know any dyslexic children are, are kind of wondering whether they should, should give it a try. I think they're brilliant. So yeah. get used to mind mapping and lots of colours. Yeah, yeah, make it fun. And yeah. you know, you're know you going to remember more if you, mm-hmm. if you make it fun for yourself while you're doing it. Yeah, also. so, yeah. True. so yeah. true. That's a great point because I th- we say that in our teacher's course quite a lot. That if you're dyslexic, you get there, but it takes longer. And it's boring sometimes mm-hmm. because of that. So I think making stuff fun, or uh, we certainly say to teachers, make this stuff sparky. Mm. there's some great resource in front of you but you can make it dull or you can make it fun and that's the human relationship stuff that uh, is super important and if you get it wrong school can be a bit drab mm. if you get it right school can be kind of as, you know, an exciting place absolutely so Stephanie one of the questions that we commonly ask on the podcast this and that is the magic pill question um, and that question is basically if there was a magic pill that you could take that would mean you'd wake up in the morning and not be dyslexic would you take it? Yeah, it's a really interesting question mm. and um, takes a lot of thought I have a mixed answer if that's allowed okay, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, when I first heard the question I thought no straight away mm-hmm. I wouldn't take it um I very much I, I'm proud of it now um you know I I don't mind telling any you know I tell everyone I can <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> I actually think 
you know, it's something to be proud of. It's, um, you know, I, I learn a bit differently. I think outside the box. Yeah. Um, and I think it very much helps my work now. I don't feel like it holds me back. Yeah. You know, there might be the odd moments where I get a bit muddled up, but, you know, I really don't think it restricts me anymore. Um, in I just got a memory there from when I was on placement in a reading school and um, one little boy wrote me a note at the at the end of my time there and he said, um, thank you for making me feel, a go- feel good about learning. Mm. Um, because I, I shared my experience with dyslexia mm-hmm. with, with the class yeah. and I think that, you know, gave him a little, little boost. Um, so also when I told them that I also ha- had dyslexia, I heard somebody say, oh, you're one of us. <laughs> oh wow! So I, thought, I felt really accepted. Yeah, yeah. and um, okay, you know, this, oh, gosh. they all kind of felt yeah. a bit proud. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the flip side, when I think about my learning journey, it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it wasn't a, as smooth as my um, third level education and my and my work. Mm. Um, I kind of I would say yes for, you know, for that time of my life. Yeah. I think. Um, for my parents also and you know they obviously saw me quite um stressed and quite upset and I think I you know would take it for that um and for for myself too you know I really struggled with Mm self-esteem um and confidence and I really think that held me back a huge amount Mm. so once you know I, I I started to believe myself little by little, you know, my difficulties kind of, um, you know, became less daunting, I guess. I had the confidence to yeah. kind of, um, you know, figure them out. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a mixed answer. Mm. It's a good answer. Very good. It is a difficult question, though, because I guess while mm. you were saying that, I was thinking, if you had taken it, we wouldn't have got to meet you here mm. today. You also wouldn't be the person that you are today. Mm-hmm. So, while... I understand, and it's that it, your journey was difficult. It, it in a, and it's flippant. Sometimes people say this, but it is what makes you who you are. Mm-hmm. All those pieces put together. So I'm glad you didn't take it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the non-existent so magic pill. Yeah, and as he says, it just is part of me, and mm. you know, that's yeah, it's who well, you are. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. I just have this lovely idea that there's a young person sitting doing their homework at the kitchen table one evening, mm. and mum or dad has a podcast on in the background. And they hear a snippet of what you said this, uh, to us on this podcast. And, you know, that message just mm. starts to turn their confidence and self-esteem in the right direction as well. Yeah. Or it gives parents the vocabulary and the kind of phrases to use mm. to support their own kids. Mm. Uh, because sometimes it's knowing we're sometimes a bit worried about saying the wrong thing. Mm. So we say nothing at all, which is definitely the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think if we don't talk about stuff, then uh, often young people will make up story themselves and yeah, it's often not as positive as one that yeah. you shared with us today yeah I think it is very important to let them know that mm. you know it's it, the difficulties they have at the moment they won't always have mm. you know they, you know might, might just take that bit harder work and a mm-hmm. um, little bit more time um, but you know there's, there's it's not going to hold you back um, you don't let it hold you back I guess um, you know I didn't think I would be teaching and now I've got the job that I you know totally aimed for yeah. um, and I don't feel it, it restricts me it helps me now 
Fantastic. Well, that's really inspiring stuff. So thank you so much for coming in and sharing that with us today. Thank you. Thank you. It was absolutely lovely to meet you. It was a pleasure Great to, meet to meet you, Stephanie. You. Thank you. Thanks for listening. That was This and That, the podcast from the Dyslexia Association. Uh, thanks to Stephanie for coming in. It was fantastic to get such great insights from both sides of the teaching and learning perspective. Um, if you would like to drop us a line, share your ideas and thoughts about the podcast, please do. We are at podcast at dyslexia.ie. That's podcast at dyslexia.ie. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all the usual channels. Um, thanks again, and we look forward to another episode soon.